Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Oh, it was fun. You know, he's, he's a different manager that, I, that I've played for. Um, so it was, it was re I really enjoyed it. You know, letting us uh, be ourselves. You know, still being able to uh, compete out on the field and enjoying the moments that we had. Uh, so I'm, I'm, you know, always wanted to play for Joe. And, and I'm, you know, very happy I had the opportunity to. And you never know. I mean, I obviously I know he wants to still you know, manage wherever it'll be. Uh, and, and obviously I still want to play. So you never know if something might line up again. But, you know, I, I really did enjoy my time with him. That is Cole Hamels talking about his time with Joe Madden. Said he'd always wanted to play for him. It's really interesting. Um, Cole Hamels, very thoughtful guy. Total pro. You see that stuff with him and Yadier Molina last night? That was ridiculous. Yadier Molina is 6 for 32 against Cole Hamels and said, you know, when he comes inside, he comes way inside. So Yadi got upset. Loved Brandon Kinsler's comments afterwards saying, yeah, I thought that was funny. <laughs> I don't know. Was Molina trying to pump up his mates? Maybe that's the case. I, I love uh, talking about the nuances of of baseball, be they interpersonal or theoretical or mathematical with our next guest. He is Doug Glanville, who you have seen on NBC Sports Chicago all year long. You have uh, read him all over the place. Maybe you've heard his podcast uh, that he does, Starkville with Jason Stark. And we certainly appreciate the time uh, occasionally throughout this baseball season here on 670 The Score. Good morning, Doug. How are you? Oh, good morning. How are you, man? I'm good, man. It's it's the final Sunday of the baseball season, and this is not exactly what we uh, not exactly what we all expected. I was thinking about that the other night when I saw you at NBC Sports Chicago, and there's Ozzy, and there's Frank, and there's you, and there's there's like everybody who could possibly be there because we thought it was going to be a different kind of vibe, especially for the Cubs. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's um, it was it was a shot. It was a shot that was really unexpected, especially how it went down. I mean. You, know, you thought they'd at the very least be there in the end, get the wild card, maybe get the division. You know, they went into September in a good position. And uh, we saw last year, September was a disaster, even though they went 16 and 12, the Brewers boat raced them to the finish. And this year, um, the losses just piled up. And that nine in a row stretch just sort of changed the narrative about what was really wrong. Um, it was, um, you know, just a collapse. And didn't expect it, you know, because this team is highly talented and had been down this road before. The Brewers had a lot of struggles, and especially losing Christian Yelich, but uh, they they prevailed in the end. What did What did you learn, um, Doug, from from watching this? Really, really over the course of this month and this year, what what do you think we learned about about this this particular mix of uh, of ball players that they've been trying to count on, and expecting to go kind of next level um, over the past couple of years? Certainly, we've learned how it's it's hard to get into this mode that you're going to be a dynasty. You know, the idea, I know Theo Epstein came in, gave, uh, you know, definitely gave the speech about we need to be patient. People were patient and they delivered. 
Uh, and then the idea that that was going to be the beginning. And it was. But once that 2016, everything sort of started to go in the wrong direction. Even though they were still making the playoffs, they were still competitive. The idea of this singular goal that he always talked about after last season, 95 wins was not enough. That the singular goal, when you measure it to that, they were going completely in the wrong direction. And, you know, last year when Javi Baez was interviewed after the season and he talked about we struggled to 95 wins. Hmm. And I thought that was a very telling statement because even this year you kind of felt, yeah, they're kind of there, but they're not getting on these runs. They're not sort of, you know, getting into this rhythm. It was always something that wasn't sinking, whether it was the, the offense, the defense was really, you know, made a ton of errors this season. Uh, there was always a part of it that wasn't quite working. And um, and so, yeah, the, the everything kind of converged as the Brewers got hot and, you know, the Cubs ended up falling apart in the last two weeks of September. It, it's been fascinating um, for me to listen to Chris Bryant over the past couple of years because there's a guy who um, was brought up with this love and this passion and this education of baseball by his dad, a guy who uh, does not drink, so solid, so focused on what he's doing, and had this unbelievable run of success that we all are familiar with, culminating with the MVP in the World Series in 2016. And he talked about how difficult it has been mentally since then. And some of the quotes he gave last week to um, Sporting News, I don't know if you saw some of these, Doug, where he talked about in 2017, he said, that year after 2016, I was miserable. I was just like, I don't know what's going on. Did I forget how to play baseball? You feel like it's the end of the world. You feel like everybody hates you. Nobody wants to look at you. It's kind of hard to see things positive. In 2017, he had a better batting average, a better OPS, had more doubles and triples than the MVP season, but he couldn't enjoy it. This this, this game will screw with you, even if you're as strong and as well-built for it as Chris Bryant. I think about when you say that. I think about Jimmy Pearsall, who is uh, the, you know the late uh, legend, who also was my outfield instructor coming up. And he always said, "This game will bring you to your knees." And uh, and so it does seem like you know the storyline of wow, you won the World Series, you're MVP, you're Rookie of the Year, you're you know, everything, and and you're on the top of the mountain. But then you got to stay on the mountain, and everybody's gunning for you. And Brian, I think also that is somewhat spoken to his personality that he is mm-hmm. someone that kind of low-key sort of like scott Rowland. scott Rowland just wanted to kind of bring his lunch back get to work love the game and go home he wasn't like into the flair and the fanfare and he was kind of a chill guy and that seems to be how chris bryant is just, just wants to kind of go in do the work enjoy the game and there's a lot of expectations and when you're uh talking about dynasty yeah you won the world series we want to win more and trying to live up to it, knowing that every team year to year is finding little pieces to try to sink your ship. Uh, it's, it's tough to stay on top. It's just really difficult. You don't have this Yankees world back in the you know 70s and 80s, whatever, where they just went on their run. Uh, every team is finding that little possible edge under that little rock, right, to find a way to win. Um, mm. And it's a lot more difficult than, than stated, you know, to, to literally win five championships in a row, it's, uh, it's, it's just impossible at this day. Well, it's, it's interesting I, um, I, because you bring up the Yankees, and it came up the other day in conversation, those late 90s Yankees teams, you know, with Jeter and, and Bernie Williams and Posada and, and Andy Pettit and Paul O'Neill and all those guys. Uh, I mean, th- what they won is, is, is unbelievable, and you don't necessarily expect the Cubs to win that, but 
the difference with that batch of people, um, maybe some of it is the timing, like you're just talking about. Like, not every organization was quite as smart as they all are now. Uh, and everybody kind of trying to do something. But also that batch, do you think there's something to be said about how that batch had Posada, who was an ass kicker, right? It was just like he was a, an edgy leader, as was Paul O'Neill for the time that he was there. You think you think those kind of personalities can help a uh, really, really good team maintain being at the top of the mountain? I found just over the years, you need all types of personalities. And, you know, they all... You know, you heard Cole Hamels talk about, well, we can be ourselves. Well, if you're all different, that's fine. And if you're on that common goal, each different personality is going to carry the team at different times. You need this quiet guy. You need the rah-rah guy. You need the guy kicking over chairs and whatever. And uh, so, you know, so there's, I don't think there's a formula per se, other than the respect that everybody's bringing their own, their own uh, style to it. But yet you're all playing hard. You're all working hard. You're all respecting each other's role. Uh, one thing that I certainly learned from 03 and being in the postseason with the Cubs, I hadn't had any postseason experience uh, as a as a major leaguer up until that point. And I'm telling you, it's it's. Ex- I mean, think about the Yankees winning all these and how they didn't play just to October; they were playing into November every single year. And and of course, then the expectations, the media tour, the whole thing. That whole extra, that's exhausting to do year in and year out to play that extra month, extra month, extra month, and to still be sharp when other teams are like resetting. Hmm. So, you know, the Cubs, I know that when 03 ended, I just didn't get off my couch for like 48 hours. Like, I literally couldn't move for like the first day. I mean, <laughs> because we were sitting on every single pitch from like the time I got traded to the Cubs in July to the end of the season. It was, you don't even realize. So, you know, yes, that's your job. It's, it's fun. There's all these expectations that are reasonably placed. You make a lot of money, all these things. But, uh, but it is harder now today with the, the exposure and the social media and all the other things that come with it. Uh, the Yankees definitely found ways to do it. They had the depth. They spent the money. And things just kind of fell their way. And the Cubs did not have that happen in 2019. You know, you learned outfield from Jimmy Pearsall, and I I, I knew Jimmy a little uh, because he was the baseball expert here on The Score when I was a producer and a part-time host early on, and I treasured all those conversations because Pearsall learned to play the outfield from Tris Speaker. Right, I mean that's the guy. That's the guy who taught him. So, Doug, you are you're like Tris Speaker's center field grandson. You know? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, Pearsall was that guy you talk about, right? Screaming at you, but you, he was a great coach. He was a great coach. He would hide in the orange trees, hide wherever, just to make sure that you were moving on every pitch, whether it's hit to you or not. He didn't care. You need to be moving and in motion. Hmm. He, he didn't take any pitch for granted. And, and he would call you on it, and he taught me all kinds of drills about hearing the bat. Like, okay, he didn't hit it well because you heard that he, you know, he, I mean, he was another level. And um, and that tone is set by, you know, certainly having a coach like that. And I think there's no question that I may have had the skills to be a good outfielder, but he made me into the outfielder that was so well-rounded and focused, most importantly, on, on every pitch. So, yeah, that style is always important in, in a team environment, for well, sure. Yeah, it's really interesting because that style of coaching where he's keeping you on edge, but there's a likability about him, and you know he's doing it for the right reasons. That is, um, that's a quality that I think may have been missing from this Cubs batch um, over, the, over the past couple of years. It's just like that, that, that demanding and yet likable um, leadership. And I think it's harder to do maybe in modern times with the modern player. 
Yeah, well, I'll tell you what's also harder is that you have this analytics world, you know, because you could have a coach say, this is how you do stuff, here's how you make certain decisions, but the decision trees are already laid out in the analytics. You have a whole department dedicated to, like, this is how you run a bullpen, this is when you steal a base, this is how you make a lineup. I mean, it's all done. And managers more and more are, are PR reps. They're, they, they're supposed to keep people together, personnel, HR kind of, but they're not as dependent on, on X's and O's. And, and I think that's where it collides to me for Joe Madden this year because the UFC in the front office sort of made a decision, right? They, they Remember, they, they did all these moves kind of around Joe Madden, right? Yes. Chili Davis, coaches, everybody, the staff's gone. We had, they had exit interviews last year with John Lester and everybody saying, what's up with the culture? So when you do all that kind of around Joe, I'm sure they included him to a certain degree, but it was, you know, they kind of cut his legs out from under him to some degree, right? He had, he, I don't know if any of those coaches were anybody he chose, right? I mean, Mark Loretta. So, you know, given that environment, Joe is, you know, a workable guy, works with a lot of people. Once you've done and removed all the bushes, right, you fix the culture, you change the coaching staff, and Joe Madden's the only one left. There's nowhere to go. Hmm. Even if you could look back and say, what a great run. The guy brought a championship to Chicago after 108 years. Uh, but it's hard to make any other decision. I think that's the corner the Cubs front office is in right now. Because how do you go back after you've you know, removed all his coaches, yeah. <laughs> fixed his culture? And you know, here's the other thing, Matt. Like, I, I interviewed with the Tampa Rays after Joe Madden left to go to the Cubs. I actually interviewed in a managerial... And most of their questions were about culture. Most of the, you know, and I don't know if I, you know, reading between the lines, but, you know, and I heard a lot of these interviews are not as much X's and O's as you think other than analytics. It's more like we have the, we have the coaching decisions already understood by our analytics department. Now tell us how you're going to create a culture. And that was really interesting to me considering Joe Madden's popularity, his success. But, but even then, like a lot of coaches have trouble sustaining whatever culture they create because of because the bottom line is about is winning especially in chicago now at this stage so it's hard to kind of like oh yeah you can be this like rah-rah guy every day for five years it, it just gets old a lot quicker because the x's and o's are going to bite you at some point no matter who you are and and as adaptable as joe madden is you know he's he's been a player development guy he's been a coach he's been everything bench coach coach manager he's done everything this day and age is about lateral movement. You get a guy who has major league experience, who's respected, has had a lot of success. You groom him at a special assistant level to the GM, and you laterally move him into the managerial room. And how to, so look at these managers we've had over the years, Mike Bassini, Robin Ventura, Craig Council. Most of these guys, well, Weiss, they didn't manage at all. Most of them didn't manage anywhere, anywhere. And they, so that's what coaching and managing. So does Theo Epstein have the right fit for a guy who's kind of analytic, you know, culturally, he, he needs someone that handles the culture and doesn't worry as much about the X's and O's. Joe Madden is just exclusively involved in so many different areas because he cares about it. I don't know how that goes forward with all these moves that have been made around him. You know, and, and so that's where we're at right now. And, and we'll know, I think in the next 24 hours. Yeah. Uh, boy, that's that's great stuff, Doug. Uh, the fact that that was the atmosphere in Tampa, um, and it is it dovetails a bit with the atmosphere here. But everything you said about how the X's and O's matter a little bit less because those things are laid out for you, and sometimes that that president of baseball ops is 
he's dictating some lineups and dictating some choices. And as I think about Alex Cora and and, and Rocco Baldelli and Aaron Boone and the names yep. that you mentioned, um, David Ross has been learning all facets of the organization as an assistant to Theo over the course of the past couple of years. He's been there. Yep. He's been sitting in the suite and doing paperwork on the on the table behind him and some shots on TV. You know, he's been around and right. and, and learning different levels of the org, learning different perspectives and stuff. And it just I mean, that's talk about a guy who knows culture. That's a guy who knows culture. I mean, those those are the managers of the future. Those I mean, they're of today. It's the 40 something, you know, guy that's you know, had a success. Craig Council, uh, quick learners. Uh, doesn't have to go to winter ball and minor leagues to, to kind of pick it up. Mm-hmm. Learns the organization through and through, and, and you're groomed. And, and keep in mind, managers now are surrounded by people that are going to replace him. Like, that's like I remember the Brewers did it years ago. They had Willie Randolph, Davey Lopes, Ron Renneke. They had like all these guys that were managers. <laughs> and, and so it's not a comfortable situation for any manager today because your replacement is probably on your staff uh, or certainly in the organization somewhere already, already being groomed. Yeah. So they have succession planning. It's like, you know, King Henry VIII. You know, they, they're planning it out <laughs> as to, like, how, who's coming. And you know it. Yeah. So you're, you're, very, you're a fungible asset in this world where you're just, you know, buying your time and, and it's going to all collide against your success and the numbers. Um, and you can be friends off the field, but you don't have to run my team. You know? now, and that's, yeah. that's where we are. Now I'm picturing hitting coaches as wives. Who's Anne Boleyn, you know? <laughs> right, you're going to lose your head, though. That's the <laughs> each, each, each hitting coach goes away when, when, they, when they get bored. It's um, like you either, you either follow this or you get the guillotine. Easy choice. <laughs> well, yeah, I think everybody knows the choice. My God. Um, all right, Doug, this, this should be great playoffs, man. There's so many good teams. I mean, you got four teams who've won a hundred games uh, right now. You've got—is it the year that the Dodgers break through? Uh, the Astros, uh, the Astros are unbelievable. I, 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 I kind of would love to see Astros Dodgers, but that's not the way it always works out. Yeah, those seem to be the the marquee teams here. I mean, the Astros are are loaded. I mean, they already had a great team, and you forgot about how amazing their offense is because of those pitchers. But they, they led the league in, like, least strikeouts, yep. contact-hitting team for this day and age. They got power. They run. They play D. They got the trifecta of starting pitchers in Culver, Lander, and Granke. I mean, they're, they're going to be tough to beat, and they execute. So, yeah, Dodgers may be their day. You know, they were excellent all season long. So I think those those two seem to be the cream of the crop. But as you know, you know, home field advantage the Astros have, but – uh, one game can change everything, and there's good enough teams throughout the postseason, like the Braves and the Yankees, that could upset what is uh, you know expected to be uh, the two best teams, or the Astros and the Dodgers. Doug, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you uh, this year. Thanks so much, and we'll always have the wives of Henry VIII and Cubs hitting coaches. <laughs> Just a reminder of how tough this job can be. (laughs) That's exactly right. Thank you, Doug. Appreciate it. All right, Matt. All right, take care, man. You got it. That's that's the great Doug Glanville. Boy, some good stuff in there, folks, about managing and about baseball culture and all of that. 312-644-6767 is the phone number.
Uh, phone lines are now open. Um, we've been guest heavy the last 40 minutes or so. We are um, pretty much open phone lines from here until noon. We will check in with our man Bruce Levine in St. Louis and get the very latest on what's happening. The Cubs locker room opens in about an hour. So we'll see if there's news before that or there might be news right then or there may not be news. But I, I, frankly, I'd be shocked if there's not uh, before the game. And I told you at the top of the show how I thought this was going to be presented. We do have a Cubs lineup as well. Oh, man. I mean, it, it's my own fault. I, should, I guess I should have been following. Who was going to start today? <laughs> As a pitcher? Did you see? I, did, did you know that Derek Holland was going to be the starting pitcher on the final day of the season? I saw that last <laughs> night. I was just like, why? <laughs> Folks, the details just don't matter that much in terms of the games themselves. Um, <laughs> so forgive me for not knowing. <laughs> now I'm going back to Joe Madden's comments about I don't give a bleep in terms of the lineup uh, versus the Brewers. Although he clarified those the other day. Uh, we can play that for you. He was really saying he doesn't want to play injured guys. You know, Castellanos, is, uh, he's got a groin issue. That's why Castellanos isn't going to play. He's about to be a free agent. You don't want to hurt. You don't want to tear his groin in the final couple of days. He apparently doesn't care too much about getting to 60 doubles. Rizzo's not going to play. Bryant's not going to play. Baez is not going to play. Of course. But um, Tony Kemp, it's leadoff. And, and, and the red-hot Ian Happ is your number three hitter. We're going to talk about him. I, I have a crazy idea for the kind of trade they'll have to consider in this coming offseason, um, and I want to throw it at you guys uh, at some point along the way. It is Hit and Run on 670 The Score. I am your host, Matt Spiegel. You our uh, our listeners, our participators, and I appreciate it, and I always have. Um, what did you learn? I would like to know the biggest lesson that you learned from either this Cubs season or this White Sox season this year about the team, the organization, or maybe even just about the game itself. But I'd like to know what you think you learned. I have some stuff that I think I learned about the game from watching these seasons that I will share with you along the way as well. It's right here, hit and run on 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I've been doing this for a bit, and I know I'm a little bit different at times. And so for me, it's really important to have that kind of support uh, from, the, from the ownership and from the front office personnel to uh, understand me in a sense. Uh, but I think I've had some uh, wonderful mentors to this point. Uh, the fact that uh, Theo and I interviewed with Jed... Uh, about 10 years ago, actually. Uh, so we knew there was a lot of um, uh, common ground, commonality regarding philosophy. And that's, that's what it comes down to. I mean, you're going to ask me a lot of questions in a couple minutes, and I'm happy to answer them all. But at the end of the day, unless we're aligned perfectly, it's not going to work. It just can't work. That from Joe Madden's introductory press conference years ago at the Cubby Bear right across the street from Wrigley. Good job by Adam Studzinski going back and uh, digging through that presser and finding some stuff. It's really interesting. Um, 
At the time, Wrigley Field was all boarded up because they were working on stuff. That was uh, during the, the some ugly construction phases. And there was Joe. There was Joe hanging out, um, offering to get everybody a shot and a beer and talking about being aligned. And are they still aligned? There's been cracks in that foundation, and Joe's gotten more verbal about it. There is a group think in terms of how organizations work all around the game that Joe commented on this week, as he has before, in terms of the type of hitter that people want, the type of personality that a team is. And there's also been very well-documented and long-discussed disagreements on hitting approach, on launch angle versus moving the baseball, um, and sometimes asking guys to do both, like Anthony Rizzo can, and how very difficult it is to have guys do both. And as we talk about things that we have learned from this Cubs season and this White Sox season, I learned something from um, the Cubs season that I also learned by listening to Nick Hostetler, who at the time was um, was the director of amateur scouting for the White Sox. And Adam Szynski, I know we grabbed the chunk of this, and let's not play it all because it's too long, but it, it's interesting because I think what Hosteller gave me, and he was a guest co-host in studio here on Hit and Run, what Hosteller gave me um, as what he has learned is the most difficult thing to teach a young player, it dovetails with what I think the Cubs are are lacking. This is Nick Hosteller. I, I asked him what is the most difficult thing for 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 a young player to learn the hardest thing to teach personally i don't think you can teach speed and i don't think you can teach it the ability to make contact i think you can help it and you can tweak it but to take a guy that goes from not being able to pit, recognize a pitch to then be able to recognize it pull the trigger and then make contact with it that is so hard to teach and and you know a lot of times we dream big so we'll take these guys and you know they haven't hit in high school all that well Maybe not have hit in college all that well. They strike out a lot. But oh, look at his body. Oh, look at yeah, this. the body's great, and he can run, and he can. When he does make contact and BP at five o'clock, he's a five o'clock hitter, and the ball mm-hmm. goes out. Those guys, for the most part, I can probably name it on one hand. The guys that I've seen that the hit tool, they figured it out. That is so hard to do, and it's an unfair task to put on our player development staff if you keep giving them guys that don't show the ability to make consistent contact. Look, I don't, I don't need to, to that's, mention That's that. Nick Hostetler right there, and we'll fade out of it um, because I went on in the conversation to mention some guys before Nick got there that got drafted, like Jared Mitchell. You know, like uh, it's certain certain guys of the White Sox drafted who were who didn't have that tool. But we can look at the Cubs and look at how difficult it is. What Hostetler's saying to teach the ability to make contact, and if you can teach that in development, then you're a superstar organization. But it is an unfair thing to ask your developmental staff. He said. And I think that very much goes for your big league hitting coach staff. It's unfair. It is unrealistic sometimes to ask sluggers to learn how to hit for more contact. It's very, very rare. You know who's good at it? (laughs) Guess which organization is good at teaching their good hitters to be better at hitting for contact? Just take a wild guess. Yes, the Astros. Alex Bregman's strikeout rate has gone down, swing and miss rate. George Springer's swing and miss rate has gone greatly down. The Astros are a freak of developmental nature. Absolute freak. The Astros have the highest strikeout rate for any pitching staff in the majors. And the Astros also have the lowest strikeout rate for any offense in the majors. It's ridiculous. So whatever they're doing, whatever they're teaching... 
is really, really effective. But that is something that I certainly learned about baseball as I, uh, as I watched as I watched this season with the Cubs. And I like that. Nick Hostetler, a White Sox employee, is the one who articulated it. This is Phil in Lombard on 670 The Score. Hello, Phil. How are you? Oh, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. Uh, um, I think it was a great – I think Doug Lanville hit the nail on the head with respect to uh, with managers this year and that uh, pretty much uh, the game is kind of being run by the front office and their analytics. And uh, I kind of really surprised or learned this year that really um, with Theo doing it his way this year, um, again, the, the blame's going to fall on Joe, which I think is, is, is very unfair. Um, again, did it his way this year and it didn't work out. Um, I mean, really sad day for a Cubs fan that, that they're possibly going to lose the, the best manager they've ever had. Again, I, I'm going to go back to the 2016 World Series or, or playoff run. I have a little different take. I see a team and a manager that was down two to one of the Dodgers with mm-hmm. two games coming up in LA yep. and wound up pulling out that series, and then was down three to one to Cleveland. He had to go there for two games, but everybody continues to talk about how they almost lost the World Series. I got news for you: Terry Francona did blow the World Series. He was up three one with two games at home. <laughs> he lost it. Dave Roberts was up two games to one with two games at home. He lost it. So, you know, I'd like to see how that resonates with uh, with you and the rest of the Cup fans. Hey, Phil, I appreciate the call. Um, I, I appreciate your call. I appreciate your passion. I, you know, we, we disagree a bit on um, on where blame lies. I broke it down an hour, number one, and it's a big pie. And there's some for everybody. I, I, I think that it what's going to go down in history is two things. Number one. Joe Madden is probably the greatest manager in in modern Cubs history. And number two, it is also time to part ways after five years. I think both things can be true, and they are true. That's my opinion. But I hear what you're saying. Theo absolutely did it his way. And as Doug Glanville documented in our conversation at the beginning of the hour, circumvented Joe in a lot of ways and tried to do things a little more aggressively and get a little more involved, and it did not work. And it's not, it's not only Joe that is going to take a hit for it. Jason McLeod has already been moved laterally, if anything. Um, and Theo is going to have to make some hires within that organization in scouting and development. You will see that. You will see a lot of admission that some of the ways we've been doing things are the wrong ways, in his words. He said as much the other day with McNeil and Parkins. I'll say it in more detail, I'm sure, at the end of the year. But he said, uh, I think that, you know, sometimes you get a little overconfident that some of the ways you do things are correct. So he's going to look at himself. He will look at himself. It is, uh, it is just also true, in my opinion, that it was ready, that it was, uh, it's, it's time for Joe to move on. This is Mark in Michigan City on 670 The Score. What's up, Mark? Good morning. Good morning, Matt. How you doing? Always listen, enjoy listening to your show. Thank you, sir. Uh, always an honor and pleasure. One quick historian uh, fact, on a pre- President McKinley was shot and killed on uh, September 4th, 1901, Buffalo World's Fair. Uh, thank you, I thank learned- you very much. Hold on. Yeah, I said 1899. You are right about Buffalo. My brother was married in the Buffalo Club, which is like a very fancy uh, shishi club there in Buffalo. And that's where McKinley laid in state um after he'd been shot but yes you are correct i had that wrong by two years and now i feel better knowing the truth thank you mark two two other quick things i'm a big white Sox fan but i don't understand why body molina is getting upset about being pitched inside as long as it's below the belt and low yeah. you ought to worry that they, he's got to win a game so he doesn't have to play a playoff game against the nationals and the, what i learned about tim anderson 
only 15 walks. He's on the verge of winning the, the batting crown. And I don't, my home computer's not up yet. I just moved, Matt. I didn't check his slugging or OPS. If you could give me those two quick numbers. But what I learned is he must always be hitting good to contact, and other teams are going in the zone after him instead of they're taking their chances against Abreu, uh, Makata, or uh, uh, Eloy. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm not sure about that. I'd have to dig into like how much he's getting pitched within the strike zone, how much he is hitting balls outside of the strike zone, because he is a fairly free swinger, uh, obviously, and he makes contact all over the strike zone, I do believe, and even sometimes out of it. And um, sometimes uh, sometimes you have uh, those guys who can really just make contact to all, all parts of the field um, and at all parts of the strike zone. But you know, it, yeah, the, the walks are too low, um, that's for sure. But it is quite an evolution for Tim Anderson. And, and I, I think it's, it's important to have seen it. He's gotten better. He's gotten better um, in a lot of ways. I'll tell you something that I learned about the White Sox when we come back. And I learned it based on two different important players on that team. One more important than the other, but still, I learned the same lesson from two guys. We'll talk about that and continue to take your phone calls and hit and run here on the 670 the score. Bottom of the hour was brought to you by Northwestern Football. Join Northwestern Football at Ryan Field this fall when the Wildcats, led by Big Ten Coach of the Year Pat Fitzgerald, host Ohio State, Iowa, Purdue, and Minnesota in Big Ten play. Single-game tickets to see Chicago's Big Ten team are on sale now at nusports.com. We'll be back with more hit and run. And if there's any news out of St. Louis regarding Joe Madden and the Cubs, we will bring it to you. Our man Bruce Levine is down there for us on 670 the score. Kinsler trying to save it for the Cubs, though 2-1 pitch on the way. A fly ball to center field, playable. Almora is there. He's got it. And the Cubs beat St. Louis. The final Cubs 8, Cardinals 6. Well, I didn't get to pitch against them last week. Let them know that probably wouldn't have happened. I felt like if I was going to pitch. And then, and then, uh... I just felt like they weren't going to celebrate with us tonight, so they got to wait another day. So, I mean, it's all in, all in competitive nature as far Come on, man. <laughs> Especially, you know, with, you know, benches clearing and all that stuff. So, and the fact that Yachty's up, you know, just makes it a little more fun. That is Brandon Kinsler, who last night after getting the final out, wagged his finger in the direction of the Cardinals' dugout. <laughs> he mutomboed them. Uh, last two nights, Cardinals uh, and their fans um, hoping for a possible coronation of, of division, and they have not gotten it. Uh, they could get it today, and Lord knows they're having a better finish than the Cubs, so it's not like the <laughs> it's not like there's any sort of vindication, but it was just a weird one last night uh, because the Cubs uh, are dead, and the Brewers, the Brewers had two nights to capitalize and catch the Cardinals. After this whole month of what the Brewers have done, this unbelievable run that they've been on, the Brewers were 21-4 and over their last 25 games going into Friday. 18-2 and in their last 20. But they haven't been able to win the last couple nights. Two chances to capitalize as the Cardinals have beaten them. Um, they couldn't do it. Josh Hader blew a save with one out to go. And then, hey, 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 it's Matt Albus giving up a walk-off home run. To Trevor's story last night. Lorenzo Cain got hurt. 
It's just interesting stuff. I, I could do an hour on national baseball right now, um, but that's not why you're here. But still, Craig Council is saving Brandon Woodruff and apparently Jordan Lyles for Monday and maybe Tuesday. That's bold. Bold. Because he's going, what, Adrian Hauser is, uh, is the guy pitching for them today. So, but it, it, that that's left up to chance, and that'll be Max Scherzer pitching for the Nationals in their wild card game. Who are you gonna go with? I have other stuff I I I, I want to get to about other teams and other guys around the league. But damn it, we are in Chicago. The Cubs are not gonna make the playoffs. Joe Madden may well be announced as the ex-manager of the Cubs before or after today's games. I don't know how it's going to happen. I know that they had a summit last night, Joe and Theo. Part of me thinks that they will come out together and be side-by-side at a press conference, maybe even before the game, maybe in 40 minutes when the locker room opens at 1130, and announce what is happening. Put the uh, the chosen spin on it and let Joe manage his last game with clarity. I think that would be the classiest way to do it, frankly. Considering where we are in the news cycle, considering where we are with everybody knowing things. And the way that the Cubs have tried to take care of their people and be genuinely kind to their people. Um, and the way that they have this genuine affection for Joe I, uh, I'm sure he will be involved on the logistics of how this all goes down. And then maybe he gets to manage with some clarity, with, with his guys knowing it's his final game. He gets to do anything wacky that he feels like doing during the game. Maybe switch to an 8675309 lineup one more time. Just a hunch as to how they would do it, but uh, if not, probably uh, after the game. Just thinking out loud here live on the radio. It's hit and run on 670, the score. Ron on the south side, uh, what did you learn about the White Sox uh, players this season, Ron? Okay, before I get to that, I have to say just enjoyed you every Sunday listening to the show. And you know what? Baseball is still life, yes, man. Yes, Baseball. it is, Ron. There we go. Goes, so, back, goes yeah, back a long time. Thank you, sir. We sure do. Don't. So, yeah, real quick. One of the things I learned with the concept was gap to gap. I was reading a couple of weeks ago. Go with Tim Anderson was talking about in some kind of way he waited a little long. He could see the ball better. But you know what, Matt? What's most impressive about the batting title that his batting average improved almost a hundred. He hit two forty last year. Yeah, he hit two forty. His batting average. Mm-hmm. So that's it. And then uh, one other thing, man, just because I actually like when you do, you know, national baseball too. An amazing stat was that we know the Twins had five players that hit thirty home runs. Detroit did not have one yeah. that hit twenty. Just some amazing things. And, and lastly, before you go, um, is there a team? Certainly, the Dodgers and Houston are the clear favorites. Could you pick maybe a team from um, the American League or the National League? I'm looking at possibly. I'm kind of pulling for the, for the Braves. But it's, it, it's, it's very strange to think about the Yankees being an upset when they've won 100 mm. games. But, but I want to maybe before you go, yeah. maybe talk about maybe a possible team that can get there other than the, uh, the highly favored. And again, man, Thanks, just Ron. great every week. Okay, appreciate it. Uh, appreciate you. Thank you so much. Um, it's It's awkward to think about – a wild card team because they could be one and done. But if the Nationals get through and get a series, 
with Rendon and Soto as vicious and terrifying a 3-4 as you can have with a lineup of guys who can hit to all fields with multiple players who could qualify as leadoff hitters with Trey Turner and Adam Eaton, Victor Robles, and then with the three starters. I mean, there's more, but of the top three, yeah, I wonder if the Nationals can make a run. Uh, Jacob deGrom leads the National League in strikeouts, followed by three Nationals, Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin. So, I, I mean, that's, that's the kind of quality you're talking about there. But uh, in the American League, I just, you know, I, I think the Astros are an absolute freaking juggernaut. Uh, Verlander and Garrett Cole are going to go 1-2 in Cy Young. No question about it. And they should. Uh, Verlander uh, it, it last, yesterday had 12 strikeouts and six innings pitched. He finishes 21-6 and six with a whip of 0.80. That's the whip on the year. They're going to have three guys with a whip under one, including Zach Granke and Garrett Cole. Three guys! Verlander got to 300 strikeouts yesterday. He and Garrett Cole both got to 300 strikeouts. Second set of teammates ever to do that. Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling with the Diamondbacks is the other. Unbelievable. 106 wins for them. And Garrett Cole goes today. I just, you know, with the two of them and Granke and then that offense, uh, I just, if the Astros don't win at all, I will be surprised. Even in this Crazy game, and it's wacky postseason. I will be surprised. It is hit and run on 670 to score. One more hour to go. Phone lines are open for you at 312-644-6767. Our man Bruce Levine is in St. Louis if anything should go down. And in the meantime, we've got one final hour of hit and run on the season. And then it's, uh, it's officially football season in this town at noon. As we continue to rage against the dying of the light that is the baseball season. It's hit and run with Matt Spiegel on 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.